Welcome to Advocates for Truth. Uh, we have a great uh, program today that I want to first introduce our guests before we get to them. Uh, first, we're going to have Dr. Jay Bettachara. He is a uh, wonderful friend. Uh, he has been instrumental as a physician in helping to get churches reopened uh, throughout the United States and up in Canada and elsewhere. He's just a wonderful guy. He's a professor of medicine uh, at Stanford University. He has an MD and a PhD in economics, both earned from Stanford University. Uh, he's the director of the Stanford Center for Demography and Economics of Health and Aging. And so at Stanford, what he's been doing is he's, he teaches on economics, but he's also teaching on epidemiology, advanced st statistical methods for the School of Medicine. And so he's been actively researching the COVID-19 epidemic uh, with regard to the infectious disease and epidemiology, as well as the health economics behind it. Wonderful guy, uh, such a, a good, well-spoken and, and uh, gentleman. Uh, Dr. Simone Gold's our second person. Uh, Dr. Simone Gold is another good friend. Uh, she heads the American Frontline Doctors. Uh, she's uh, probably the most censored doctor in America right now because she is out speaking the truth. She graduated from Chicago Medicine, uh, uh, from excuse me, from Chicago Medical School before she attended Stanford University Law School. Think about that. You've got a medical doctor and a lawyer. She's incredibly smart. She worked in Washington, D.C. for the Surgeon General, as well as uh, for the chairman of the U.S. Senate uh, Labor and Human Resources Committee. Uh, so she is uh, an expert in the area. She as well has studied COVID-19. And when she spoke out against COVID-19, she was terminated from her physician, uh, her position as a physician at uh, a couple hospitals. Wonderful person. So let's get right to it. So my, my first question uh, for you guys, we, we did a podcast um, uh, last week, roughly, and the, there's a big question as to what's in the ingredients. And you are two of the most respected people that I'm, I know of in the, in the uh, I would say, in the industry of the medical profession as it relates to COVID-19. You've done so many, you've studied so much. So if I could get you guys to comment, what are the ingredients of the COVID-19 vaccine? Okay, so uh, there, there are like other, there are other sort of uh, supportive chemicals and things, but the key elements of a COVID-19 vaccine, let's take the mRNA vaccines, are uh, uh, a, a, a lipro, like a, a basically a, 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 a kind of chemical that holds the mRNA in place and then the mRNA itself. What is mRNA? mRNA is, a, is an instruction to a cell to produce a protein. And um, the, 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 uh, the, the, the lipoprotein shell, shell essentially is, a, is a, something that, that delivers the, the protein into the, into the cell uh, that, 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 uh, that the vaccine goes into. Those are, those are, the, main, those are the, the active ingredients for the mRNA vaccine. Um, there are other, other, other elements in there that are sort of standard in vaccines, uh, many vaccines for delivery, but those, those are not so, as important. So what, one of the religious objections that a lot of people talk about is, oh, it has, um, you know, some sort of uh, aborted fetal tissue or something along those lines. Uh, can you explain what, what, whether there's any relevancy to that, truth to that? 
Sure, so let me explain that. So um, we just discussed the mRNA vaccines. The mRNA vaccines were developed with no, no fetal tissue lines that I'm aware of in any case um, at all. So there's no, there's no truth in that for the mRNA, the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines. For the J&J vaccine, I think also for the AstraZeneca vaccine, it's the ingredients are, the main active ingredients are a little bit different. Um, the, the active ingredients are a, are a uh, adenovirus. Adenovirus is a common cold virus, but that's been inactivated that actually can't actually reproduce. And it's been modified to include a, 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 essentially a, a small DNA snippet of the spike protein that, that is the key uh, target for immunogenicity in, um, for, 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 co for coronavirus. That, those, those vaccines, they don't have fetal tissue in them. That's not true. Uh, but it is true is that they, in the development of them, they used fetal tissue, aborted fetal tissue cell lines, immortal aborted fetal tissue cell lines in order to develop the vaccines. And that's just for J&J, &J, Johnson & Johnson, and the AstraZeneca? Yeah. Um, but let me, let me explain what that is. Just so, so, you know, I, I, you know, I'm a believer, so I, and I, I don't actually have a problem with, with the, those vaccines. Let me explain, you know, what, what they are and let people make up their own minds. Um, the, 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 what these cell lines are, you know, cells, human cells, they replicate, and, but eventually after they replicate enough times, they stop replicating. They just have a built-in senescence. They won't, won't replicate after a certain number of, of divisions. Um, for a lot of biological research, you need cell, cells that, that, that can replicate basically in, in, continuously, immortally. And it's, it's, it's really important for biological research to be able to do experiments on human cells, but not actually take it from humans. So these immortal cell lines are an incredibly important part of a lot of biological research, including the development of these, those two vaccines. Um, there are lots of human cell lines, um, most famously this Henrietta Lacks cell line that is not derived from um, fetal tissue. But this is one of the lines, uh, from my understanding, was, was derived from a aborted tissue, aborted fetal tissue in the Netherlands in the 1980s, I think. Um, and it's the cells are still growing. I mean, they're still replicating. They're used commonly in, in lots of biological research. Um, I don't know, to me, uh, the fact that, uh, you know, that essentially, it, the, the use of these cell lines now, 30, 40, 50 years after the fact that where they've developed, in a sense, honors the sacrifice of the of the of the, the, the donor. Now, of course, here the sacrifice was an aborted tissue, aborted, aborted fetus, and you know that, of course that the the, the 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 child had no say in it. That of course, so that's 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 um, that I think is problematic. But the question is, we have these cell lines. Should we use them? I don't I don't, I don't approve making new cell lines. With aborted tissue, but should we use them for biological work that can save life? I, I, I mean, I guess you have to. This is a prudential question, and I can understand how Christians have come down different sides on this. But to me, I don't think that's a problem. Yeah, Doctor J, you're you're uh, you're a Christian, uh, Doctor Simone. She's uh, she's Jewish. Simone, do you have any uh, uh, varying view on that? I just want to say that I agree exactly with everything Doctor J has said for both of your questions couldn't have said it better. So it's completely precise. I think um, as a person of faith, of Jewish faith, that God stands with life and therefore you need to make this decision based on what is best for current living people. I do find it suspect that a lot of smoke has been thrown up against the J&J &J and AstraZeneca 
because of this issue, which is pretty removed as Dr. J has capably pointed out, when there's so many deaths and miscarriages reported in VAERS relating to Moderna and Pfizer. So if you're going to talk about pro-life, you know, you've got to consider all the death that's been accumulating due to the others as well. So are, are you saying that Moderna and Pfizer appear to uh, have a greater relationship to miscarriages than, I, well, than Johnson & Johnson? Most of our data is due to Moderna and Pfizer because that's what we're using in America. But I found it suspicious that Johnson & Johnson was paused for blood clots when there's so much data about the Moderna and Pfizer that was just in a way swept under the rug. You know, Moderna, there, there's, and the NIH has some patent ownership of Moderna products, right? So I just find it very suspicious when a lot of negative attention was drawn to J&J &J when there's a lot of negative attention to go around towards Moderna and Pfizer. The numbers coming in are very, very alarming. You know, for example, the numbers of death in temporal association with getting the vaccines, according to VAERS, is 12,000 to 25,000 higher quarter over quarter for first quarter 2021 compared to 2020, 2019, and 2018. The death rates are 12,000 to 25,000% higher. That is our early warning system shrieking that there's a problem. High, higher than, I, I'm sorry, higher than what? Higher, when you look into VAERS, you can actually put the word death in and put all the vaccines that you're looking for. So for COVID-19 vaccines, there's around, I'm just, I'm, I'm in the ballpark, 3,500, 3,700 deaths from the COVID-19 vaccines. And there's around, I think in prior years, I don't have the numbers in front of me, 30, 30 deaths. Three years ago, there were 12 deaths for one quarter. For the first quarter of 2021, compared to the first quarter of 2020, 2019, and 2018, we've got 12,000% higher numbers. Compare, so in other words, com when comparing the deaths as a result of the COVID-19 shot uh, in comparison to other vaccines that we know of in prior years, there's this huge increase in death. Right, and what the problem is, everybody is poo-pooing those numbers and everybody is saying correlation is not causation. This is true, but the best early warning system we've set up in our country is VAERS, set up 35 years ago. We've always accepted that as the baseline to use in the past. We accept it with everything else. We accept it with influenza. Another way of looking at the VAERS numbers is that 99% of all vaccine deaths, by vaccine deaths, I mean those reported to VAERS in close time association to receiving the vaccine, 99% of those deaths are in relationship to COVID-19 vaccines, and 1% are in relationship to the other 100 vaccines. I don't know how anybody can look at these numbers and not be really alarmed. In addition, we are silenced from sharing those numbers. When a person shares a screenshot of that, they're taken off Facebook and it's taken down from YouTube. These are the government's own numbers, which are surely underrepresenting the situation. They underrepresent in two ways. One is most doctors don't even know about VAERS. It's been well documented that only one to 10% of adverse events are even reported. And number two, a separate parallel reporting system that is not public called VSAFE 
is also where people are reporting COVID-19 vaccine incidents. That's not public. So we know these numbers are underrepresented and we can't even share those numbers. Dr. J, can you tell me what is BEARS and, and, and what is VSAFE? Um, so so let, me, let, me, let me start with BEARS. Um, so so very, uh, the, and actually, let me just step back and, and talk about how vaccine safety is, is checked in, in the United States. Um, so uh, th there, there's basically, you can think of it as two separate systems. There's, the, there's a reporting system, and then there's a system for systematically checking the results of the reporting to see if, if it's a statistically meaningful signal or not. Um, VAERS is, is a system where uh, doctors, uh, pharmaceutical manufacturers, uh, and even patients can call in and say, okay, I've had this drug, I've had this vaccine, and I have this side effect that happened afterwards, right? So the, you, you, you take the, the vaccine and then you get dizzy. Well, uh, either you or your doctor or someone will call into the various system, will, will file a report actually, it's usually online, I think nowadays. I've heard that that may only be about 1% of the actual situations. I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a very, it's a select sample. It's absolutely true. Um, I mean, I, but it cuts both ways, right? So people are very concerned about this vaccine and the safety. So you can, you can over-report. You can also, you can certainly absolutely under-report, you know, because if you have a, uh, you know, you get dizzy afterwards, you think it's just, an, it's nothing and you don't, you don't call. I mean, that's actually very, very, very common. Um, and so the VAERS system tracks the uh, tracks these reports as they come in, and compiles them and says, okay, here's a here's a here's a whole bunch of uh, reports of of uh, fever after after the, the shot, right? And that's actually very common. Um, you, but that that doesn't answer the question of did the vaccine cause it? And as as uh, as Dr. Gold said, I think uh, that that it's it's a it's a question of correlation and causation. What you want is to a, a control group, some a set of people who weren't vaccinated. That that did they also have a fever? That, that, that how, how frequently did that happen? And you want a set of denominators. You want to know, you know, if, if 10 million people take the vaccine and there's 10 people that have some outcome, um, that actually could be a big deal, or or it might not be. It depends on what the what the what the what the control group is, right? Uh, how about VSafe? What is VSafe? Uh, uh, VSafe, I think, is 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 a smartphone version of theirs. I, I don't think it's it's in it's in in in, in any sense. Um, actually, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's, it's a smartphone version of theirs. I don't think it's in any sense any different uh, in in nature. It tracks the uh, the the uh, reports that they come in. I actually haven't. I personally have not played a ton with the VSafe system. I played much more with theirs myself. Jay, I'd love to know, I, my understanding is that VSAFE is not public, that it was set up as a parallel system. And that this, when people are getting vaccine cards, they're being given the phone number or the email for VSAFE. So my concern is a lot of people are reporting to VSAFE and not to theirs. And is VSAFE a public system, uh, a government? Yeah, no, it's set up as yeah, a CDC, but my understanding is it's not public, that we might need to get a FOIA to look at those numbers. Let me ask, um, you know, generally speaking, I think you guys might have a differing opinion. I don't know because I haven't asked you this ahead of time. Uh, is Do you guys believe the uh, COVID-19 shot or AKA vaccine uh, to some, do you think it's safe? Dr. J, why don't you go? For, well, actually, uh, Dr. Simone Gold may have to leave uh, sooner. So, uh, Dr. Simone, can you kind of give a real quick summary first and then we'll, we'll ask Dr. J. Yes, although I definitely want to hear Dr. J's opinion. I think um, 
I have to say, I don't know, and I'm not ducking the question, but the problem with prior coronavirus vaccines, they showed up late. I'm sorry, the problems with the prior corona vaccines, they came up late. So I'm not so concerned about temporary adverse events, you know, sore arm, fever, you know, like kind of a viral response. I'm much less concerned about that. Although we are seeing in every country, every single country, I have the data, when you get the shot, there's a spike in death for about two or three weeks. It's probably due to kind of an immune suppression effect. There's no question it goes up right after the shot for two or three weeks. That's for sure. But the, the long-term problems, we simply don't know. So the problems with antibody-dependent enhancement, unknown. The problems with autoimmune, especially in the young who have vigorous immune systems, unknown. The problem, potential problem on reproductive, unknown. The fact that these spike proteins cross the blood-brain barrier, unknown effect on long-term neurodegenerative diseases. So I know for certain that the vast majority of humans have no serious risk from SARS-CoV-2. Therefore, you can't give any treatment to somebody who has no possible benefit from it. The only people who even have room to benefit from the vaccine are people who are frail. Per the CDC, yesterday came out with numbers that the average person who died from COVID-19 had four comorbidities, not 2.6, but four, four comorbidities. Only 5% of the population that died from COVID-19 had only COVID-19. So we're talking about people who are frail, people with multiple comorbidities. That subgroup has a potential benefit. Every other subgroup does not have a potential benefit, completely unknown risk. I think it's it's almost irrelevant, right? You can't offer something to somebody if there's no possible benefit. And if you've got a statistically 0% chance of death, as do young, healthy people, you can't offer it. Dr. J, what do you think? Um, so uh, let, me, let me agree in broad strokes with Dr. Gold. Uh, I think that for it, this vaccine, and certainly any vaccine and any treatment, in medical treatment, you want to compare for each patient the, the benefits, the potential benefits versus the potential harms. And uh, ethically, you only give the, the, the treatment if the potential benefits are better are greater than the potential harms. And so COVID uh, is, has, a, um, has this like incredible age gradient in risk, thousand fold difference in the risk of mortality from people who are older versus younger. From um, which is which in many ways is a blessing. I mean, the fact that children, for instance, are spared in large part from COVID uh, is is a huge blessing. We could imagine a disease with uh, where children have a very high high risk of death from it. Um, and that said, there are also some other other comorbidities, as Dr. Gola said, that make you much more vulnerable should you get COVID uh, from to, to severe outcomes. So I think for for people who are older, it is absolutely. The, the balance of evidence is, is in favor of the vaccine. Uh, I was very relieved when my mom got vaccinated. Uh, I, I, I'm 52, I did get vaccinated, but I, you know, for me, I think it's, I mean, it, it, it wasn't a relief. It was just, you know, my wife was happy. So that made, it, <laughs> that made me happy. Um, uh, so the, the, um, uh, the, uh, for young children, I, I'm not convinced the balance of risks favors the vaccine. You know, the trials haven't been completed yet. And frankly, I'm, I'm not sure that the trials are entirely ethical in children. Um, because the, as, 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 as we just said, for children, the, the, the harms from COVID are so low, even, even very, very rare side effects would balance, would tilt against the vaccines in the, con, in the context of children. You need very, and you need large samples of children in those trials to actually detect them. 
Um, so I think in a sense, um, it's, it's, not a, it's not a very easy question to answer yes, no. It's, it's, it depends on you clinically where you are. I can think of another situation where I think the vaccine might be, might be reasonable, even if it's not entirely medically, the, the, from a medical point of view. And that is, you know, we've panicked the population with COVID. And there are a lot of people who have shelled up in their life and are afraid. Um, and if uh, for someone who's in that situation, maybe in their 20s or 30s, and they get the vaccine and they can live their life again, uh, the, the, the side effects are, are rare enough, at least that I'm, I'm aware of, that I think it's, it's fi fine. I mean, because the, the psychological benefit is so great to someone who, who uh, regains their life. Um, for, from a strictly medical point of view, I mean, you can, you can pick your favorite age where you, where you say it starts to not make sense. Of course, everyone will have different risk preferences along those, along those lines. So, What are your thoughts, Dr. Gold? I just want to jump in. So I think that was, I mean, I understand exactly why Dr. J felt that getting a vaccine for himself was all right, right? Because he made his own personal decision on it. But I want to, I, I have to register my objection. It is entirely unethical and immoral to offer an experimental medication to children when the risk assessment for reproductive health, neurologic disease, and autoimmune disease is unknown when these otherwise healthy children have decades of healthy life in front of them. Let and me I don't think Dr. J necessarily disagrees. I'm sorry. I didn't. I apologize if I misspoke. That's my own opinion. Yeah. Sorry. Do you, I apologize. Do you agree with that, Dr. J? I mean, no, I, you know, I, I, I think the ethical foundation for uh, giving this to children is, is dicey. I'm not, I, I mean, I'm not sure I've come out as quite as strongly as Dr. Gold on this, but it's, um, I will say this, there's one other ethical element to giving the vaccine to young people and children that's worth mentioning. There are a lot of older people around the world who've not had access to the vaccine um, who would benefit from it. Uh, lives would, their lives would be saved. Uh, you know, we're seeing large numbers of deaths in India in part because the vaccination program didn't focus on the old. Uh, and there's lots of older people uh, in other other countries as well that have not received the, vac the vaccine that are quite vulnerable to COVID. I don't really know of any good ethical argument to uh, prioritize giving a 20-year-old or, or 10-year-old the vaccine in the United States over giving those vaccines to 80-year-olds in Bolivia or India or, or, or wherever. There are older people that don't have the vaccines. That's a great point. Uh, Simone, I cut you off uh, before, so why don't you finish? I just want to share this. Um, the reason I feel so emphatically about it is I'm going to give you a number. For healthy 10 to 19-year-olds in the United Kingdom, the chance of dying from COVID-19 is put at odds of one in two and a half million. The current vaccine-related death figure seems to be one in 50,000, possibly as high as one in 10,000. Even if you use the one in 50,000, if your chance of death from COVID-19 in age 10 to 19 is one to two and a half million, it cannot be offered to this age group. That is absolutely my opinion. Yeah, that, 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 uh, that makes a lot of sense. And I want to, I want to ask about the side effects because, you know, I was watching a video last night, someone sent to me and there's five physicians uh, talking. I, if I gave you their names, you probably would know who they are. And you walk away from there and let me just give you some of the quotes that, that come from them. And they talked, they were talking a lot about the, the side effects. And I heard uh, uh, one of the doctors, who's actually a pediatrician, said, this is genocide and is a weapon of mass destruction, speaking of the shot. Uh, he also said that we should be quarantining those who get the shot. And 
Uh, and the basis of that is that there's this uh, suggestion on this video that I was watching of these doctors saying that uh, there's this new nanolipid particle, it's new technology, it's a sci-fi type substance that, that we're putting in this uh, synthetic spike protein into our body, that it's modifying the DNA, and that there could be the shedding or transmission of that spike protein to other people, and that there's this huge increase in uh, women miscarrying, heavy bleeding, infertility, and as a result, you know, they're just saying, absolutely, do not take the shot. Uh, we should have that medical freedom. So the first question for you is, uh, I, I assume you all agree, you guys agree with me that we should have the medical freedom to make that choice. And then the second question uh, will be, uh, what about the side effects? Do you agree with any of these statements? So First off, you, you both agree about medical freedom, as, as I understand it, right? In terms of, I sh no one should be forced to take the shot if they don't want to. The medical freedom is something that should have been in the Constitution since the beginning. One of our founding fathers who signed the Declaration of Independence, Benjamin Rush, is on the record for saying that medical freedom is as important as religious freedom because it will lead to a dictatorship, uh, you know, medical tyranny. So that's exactly what we're seeing unfold in 2021. AFLDS is in the fight of protecting civil liberties, human rights, and it's coming down to medical freedom. I apologize for that noise. Um, I, I actually agree that this is... I don't want to use the word genocide, but I agree that this, I don't think this can be rolled out to young people. Hard stop. The, the spike proteins themselves are known to be pathogenic, meaning disease causing. They cross the blood brain barrier. They mimic the syncytia one and syncytia two proteins in our reproductive system. Children have decades of life ahead of them, reproductive health ahead of them. We don't know if those spike proteins are going to cause the body to autoimmune react causing fertility problems. We simply don't know. We don't know if it's going to cross, we know they're going to cross the blood-brain barrier. Both the lipo nanoparticles and the spike proteins will be, right? We don't know if that's going to cause prion disease and long-term neurologic, degenerative neurologic changes. And we, so we've got autoimmune, we've got reproductive, and we've got neuro. And that hasn't even mentioned the antibody-dependent enhancement, which is a big we don't know. We simply don't know the numbers. We know that prior coronavirus vaccines have led to the death of children due to antibody-dependent enhancement. It can't be done. I think this is a crime against humanity. I think it squarely falls under violating the Nuremberg Code and federal statute. You cannot roll out experimental vaccines to people against their will. And just because, by the way, if the FDA chooses to approve this prematurely ahead of the conclusion of the medical trials, which is October 2022 for Moderna and April 2022, Three for Pfizer, just because they changed the name, if that's what they do, doesn't change the fact it's still an experiment, still violates federal statute, still violates Nuremberg. This is the issue that AFLDS intends to litigate. Yeah. And, and speaking of Nuremberg, that was the reality that uh, not long ago, I was just thinking about this. So, you know, I was born in 1967 and that was just, you know, 20 plus years after they were experimenting on humans in Nazi Germany. Uh, maybe maybe a little longer than that, but but it wasn't that long ago in my lifetime that they were experimenting on on a human population. Uh, so that's where the the Nuremberg uh, rules come from. So, Doctor J, how about you? What are your thoughts? Okay, so uh, let me let me kind of go back to an earlier part of the conversation because I I wanted to circle back about how the CDC actually tracks for uh, tracks 
Um, so we talked about the VERA system. The, the, there is an, uh, there are other, there are other systems that the CDC uses, uh, the, the FDA uses. They're called the, the VSD system, Vaccine Safety Data Link, and the BEST system, which is called, uh, which is essentially like a biologics. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a system that that uh, that's very analogous to the VSD system. Both systems are designed to actually answer the causality question, right? So when there, when there's a signal that comes in bears that there may be a, a side effect. Um, there's a lot of careful work done to try to see if the signal actually, you know, is, is there actually in the data when you look at the data more systematically and try to have control groups and whatnot. Um, so those systems are a little slower in working than VAERS, but are much more reliable. And they've gotten much less attention, uh, for, except for the J&J the J &J case, which we can talk about in a second. Um, so, so what, what's come out of this? So what the 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 J and J vaccine? We had that pause because of of, uh, of the, the clotting abnormality in the brain, right? The, the, now that came out. That signal was found um, and verified in the VSD system, not in the VARES system. Uh, the VARES alerted people that, that that was a possibility, and it, and then was verified in that in that. That's why and, and, and actually, like what the, the signal was that for. Young women, in particular, with the vaccine under 50, um, there was this rare but still possible side effect for, of blood clotting in the brain. Um, and there, that's a, there's a signal that resulted. Now, I, don't, I think this, the CDC made a mistake stopping the vaccine. I think what they should have done is put a black box warning on it and said, "Look, uh, don't, young women shouldn't be taking this vaccine." Um, so, so I think that the, many of the questions you have uh, will, will, will get answered. Over time, we, I mean, at this point, tens of millions, I mean, hundreds of million plus people have taken the vaccine. And so we're, we're starting to have a pretty good idea about the side effect profiles at, at, at scale, um, at least in the-, well, the I'll get back to that. No, thank you. The, in, <laughs> okay, we'll get to you in just a minute. Uh, yeah, so I think we're starting to have a good idea for at least as far as like since the vaccine started in the, in the you know, five, five, six months of the vaccine's been, been injected, what, what, uh, what, what what we're likely to see. Um, okay, so now there's a lot of uh, a lot of points that Dr. Gold raised and, and that you asked that can, if, if I can if I can address. So yeah, can can I ask you first though? Do you agree, Dr. J, uh, that there should be medical freedom? That we should be able to choose whether or not we want to take that vaccine? Oh yeah. So uh, I mean, absolutely. On this, I 100% agree. In fact, I wrote a, a, a Wall Street Journal piece arguing against vaccine passports. And advised uh, Governor DeSantis against them. Um, I think um, th this is a situation where uh, we really should respect your your autonomy to make decisions for you and your family regarding what uh, what risks you want to take. Uh, I mean, you know, you, you should listen to advice, but that's that's not the same thing as saying you should be denied access to regular society just because you don't have a vaccine. I think that's wrong. So go ahead with what you were going to say then as well with regard to your, your comments uh, with regard to Dr. Gold's comments about uh, the effects. So uh, on uh, there's a, there's a few few things. So so actually let me start with yours uh, yours first, uh, um, Bob. So so you you're, you were listening to those folks talk about uh, uh, about certain certain ideas about these vaccines. I think a lot of those, as far as I know, what I've seen in the data, the the, the, the data don't support those ideas. Right. So, so for instance, um, uh, this this question of shedding of the spike protein, I don't think there's any evidence of that at all. Uh, the way that, and it doesn't make biological sense. The vaccine, the way it works. Let's take the mRNA vaccine. We can talk about the 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 uh, the, the, the the other uh, 
the adenovirus vaccines in a second, but the way that the vaccines work, uh, the mRNA vaccines, they, uh, it, they essentially introduce the mRNA into a cell. mRNA uh, is a signal, is essentially like a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a, a set, sends a signal to the cell to produce the protein. It produces the spike protein. The pro spike protein then is like displayed on the surface of the cell. The immune, immune cells come, identify the spike protein as foreign, attack it, essentially destroying the cell and the spike protein and teaching the immune cells to actually respond in case coronaviruses comes. That's why people call it a vaccine because it trains the immune system to identify the, 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 the various elements on the spike protein. Does it modify the DNA? Not the mRNA vaccine. Okay. The mRNA vaccine does not enter the, the nucleus. It's, it's only in the cell, cell uh, it's outside the cell uh, nucleus uh, that the protein is produced. So that the, the other vaccine does modify the DNA. I yes. Yeah. So back to that later if you need to. But no, no. So let me like, let me describe the action of the of the other the adenovirus vaccine. So adenovirus vaccines are uh, they 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 are as I said earlier they they are inactivated versions of the of of, of, a, of a cold virus, common cold virus. They have DNA in it that's modified. That's a DNA version of the spike protein for of the coronavirus. And that does get inject, it injected in the nucleus. The nucleus then um, turns that into mRNA, which then, then the cell then produces it. So it does modify the DNA of just that one cell where it's injected, or that set of cells where it's injected. But remember, those cells are then destroyed by the immune cells, right? If, if, so, so it's not like it, your, your, your babies will get it. It's not like, you know, if you're, it's, 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 a, it's again, a very similar mechanism. It's uh, basically tricking the cell into producing a spike protein, displaying it on the surface, and then the um, and then the immune cells come and destroy the cells that are displaying it on the surface. And that that's the is that if I understand it right, then that's the Johnson and Johnson Johnson and Johnson and AstraZeneca vaccines do actually modify the DNA. Only of the the cells that get destroyed by the, because they're displaying the spike protein. So it, it sounds scary, but it's not scary. It's, it's I mean, it, this is just, it's a, it's a uh, uh, it, you know, if, if, if the vaccine is working right, um, and, and which it does in the vast majority of cases, it's gonna, those cells will get destroyed. You're not gonna, they're not gonna replicate, your body isn't gonna have it forever. It'll have it until the immune system, immune system's done with it, which is relatively quickly. And then you get trained to respond if you get, you get exposed to COVID. So I think, I think, I think, uh, there, there's some element of, of sort of hyperbole in that that's not, I don't think is a good, I mean, for instance, there's no reason to quarantine people who get the vaccine. That doesn't make any sense. But I mean, quite the opposite. People who get the vaccine should go out and live their life freely, happily. Actually, that should be true for everybody, but certainly people get the vaccine. Can I, can, can, so Simone, do you agree with that statement too, about once you get the, if they got the vaccine, they should be able to go out and, and freely live their life? I do, I do with one exception, which I don't think was what Dr. J was referring to, which is that there's an absolute increased risk of dying to within two or three weeks after the vaccine. We're seeing this effect all over the world, but that tends to be people who were frail and were kind of overwhelmed really by the strength of the vaccine, but that's just to protect them, not, to, not because they're at risk to other people. J Dr. J and I agree on almost everything which is fantastic and it's very enjoyable to have this kind of conversation. The one point that I, I would say to whoever's listening and plus Dr. J, I really cringe when people say, you know, 
the adverse events or it looks safe. I, I feel as a scientist, Dr. J, that you can't say that because the questions I'm raising and others are raising are long-term by definition. So how can you go off and say it's safe? The, the adverse events that you're seeing in the interim are, are very high compared to other vaccines. But I agree with you as an ER doctor, listen, you get over it, it's fine. Most of them you get over. But the long-term effects prior to the vaccine being rolled out were thought to be in the following categories, autoimmune, neurologic, reproductive, right? We don't have any long-term data on any of that. And I feel it's irresponsible for any physician to say that it's safe. It's not known. It's not as though we said prospectively that the problems that we see are anaphylaxis. And if people drop dead early, that's a problem. That's not what we said was the major problem. Although we are seeing a lot higher rates, the, the anaphylactic rate with Pfizer is 10 times baseline vaccine. So we are seeing a lot of that, but still those are not large numbers. But I'm very afraid of these long-term effects, the autoimmune, the reproductive and the neurologic. And I, I don't think doctors can give their blessing. What do you think, Dr. J? So, I mean, this is why I qualified it with, we've had the vaccine for six months. I mean, we have six months of experience with it. I, it's true, there's possibly a long-term, long-term, but I, I, from what I understand of the biology, I don't, I don't, I'm not as concerned as Dr. Gold, I guess. Um, I, like for, for instance, antibody dependent enhancement. Um, that, that's a, that's a, a phenomenon that often occurs if you, that can occur and occur, and it has occurred in other, for other diseases and other vaccines, uh, not where, uh, you, uh, you you get the vaccine, you're then exposed to the, the, the virus, the pathogen or whatever, and it causes your immune system to, to overreact and causes harm. That's something that we, they actually checked for in the, in the, in the trials. I mean, that's something I, I think I, wor I, I, you know, I know I worried about when, when I first heard that the trials were going to happen last year. And I personally, based on what I've seen, I'm, I'm much less concerned about that particular, but, but I, I absolutely agree with Dr. Gold. There are other possible long-term effects that we can't know because the vaccine's only been around a certain number of months. Same thing with like COVID. I mean, like people talk about long COVID. Um, I just, I think th these are things where these are theoretical possibilities uh, and, and whether they pan out or not depend, will take a lot of, of careful work. You have to go based on what, on the signals you see in front of you and the risks you, you have in front of you. Um, and from my view, I just don't, I just don't, I guess I'm not, I'm not quite as concerned as Dr. Gold, but I do think it, it, I absolutely agree with her. This warrants paying close attention to in, in, in coming months. The reason I'm alarmed, the reason I'm alarmed is because we've never moved at this speed, right? The speed would normally be checked and slowed down and we would go step by step and we would see if there's reproductive. I'm very alarmed because we're rolling it out fast without knowing the long-term effects. You have to agree with me as a scientist that we probably agree, Jay, that we don't know, maybe it's gonna be bad, maybe it's not gonna be bad, but then you have to agree as a scientist that you can't roll it out this fast. You can't do it. Yeah, I, mean, I, th I, think, I think the way I would talk about it is just like, actually with the way we talked about before, Simone. I mean, I think the, um, there, the, you have to look at the situation of the patient and the, and the balance of risks, right? The older population, the vulnerable, I think there's no, no I have no issues with recommending vaccine people who have who potentially, if they were infected with COVID, have a severe reaction. Um, for pregnant women, I, I mean, I agree that the, the data are not all that, uh, I mean, all that convincing. I've had people email me and ask me, uh, you know, I, I'm thinking of getting pregnant. Should I, should I, is, the, is it worth it to get the vaccine? And, uh, you know, I, 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 I don't know how to answer that given that it hasn't, the, the data on, it wasn't really tested 
primarily on pregnant women. That wasn't part of the trial. It's just actually a common problem in a lot of drug testing and, and vaccine set testing. Um, you, you basically exclude pregnant women. You exclude uh, children because you know the ethical the ethics of, of experimenting in those populations are difficult. Um, and so the answer is often I don't know. And the, and I agree with uh, Dr. Gold. In those, in those situations, it is absolutely reasonable to say I you know. I'd be careful. Is there any validity, uh, Dr. J or Dr. Gold, to these doctors who said there's all sorts of uh, evidence coming out that uh, this uh, COVID shot uh, creates potentially infertility um, and um, you know premature babies and uh, et cetera? What? I'll take that. So I'll, the the facts are as follows: the mRNA has makes your body develop trillions of these spike proteins the spike proteins are similar to to spike to proteins in the reproductive system called syncytion one and syncytion two because they're so similar the concern is that your body will create antibodies to those spike proteins which will also negatively affect the normal syncytion one and syncytion two proteins if that should happen you're going to or could have failure of the placenta, failure of spermatogenesis. When you contrast the fact that we don't know to the odds of death, which are virtually zero, it is unethical and immoral to offer this in this age group. Yeah. I, okay. My, let, let me ask you this other question. I'll try to wrap up to, in respectful of your time. Uh, I think I might know this answer. And this sounds really, I wanted to have this conversation with you two because you two are my two most trusted go-to people. Honestly, you're the smartest people I know probably over any, in all subjects, but I appreciate you guys in regard to medical issues. Uh, And so this question, another thing that, that has come out is that theoretically this uh, spike protein uh, this lipid particle um, can actually collect information and transmit that information via Wi-Fi or EMF. And I've heard some of these things. I actually heard it from a doctor. Um, what say you on that on that issue? No, it, they cannot. They cannot. There's no. There's no validity to that at all. Um, actually, can I just say one other one one sort of meta comment, I, it's it's really actually quite a delight to be able to discuss these things. Even when we disagree, we can discuss it, discuss it and disagree respectfully. A lot of that has been missing through whole, the whole epidemic. And I appreciate Dr. Gold for, for that. I just want to say, I feel exactly the same way. It's so interesting, you know, because actually I don't even think we're disagreeing on the facts because we accept the facts as true and we're drawing opinionated conclusions from it, right? I'm saying that you, you both, you're saying, yes, it's unknown. I'm saying, yes, it's unknown. And I draw the conclusion. You can't do it if it's unknown. And you're drawing the conclusion. Well, it's probably safe or whatever. But it's such a relief to be able to have an honest conversation about it. Um, like Jay, I deal in facts. And I find no scientific basis for that theory that people are, you know, that you just put forward. Yeah, about about it. Uh, people admitting that the, the spike protein emits uh information radioactively or but at the same time i do see an antenna growing out of uh, dr j's head (laughs) right there so i'm wondering (laughs) you know it's it's interesting because you know so often uh on on 
on the internet, obviously, you know, you get these people and and these doctors sound incredibly qualified to be giving their opinion. And I'm hearing things uh, like that. And, uh, you know, we are we're going to be litigating cases about medical freedom and trying to preserve individuals' rights not to be fired from their job if they choose not to take the vaccine. And I think a lot of times this uh, um, hyperbole is coming out and it's, and it's impacting really what we all agree on, and that is medical freedom. Yeah, I, I just, I want to, I want to ask Jay something. So if, if we don't really disagree on the facts, right, which it sounds like we don't, if I'm right, and, but we go your way, it's a really huge problem. And if you're right and you go my way, it's not a problem, right? These, these women who are 35 years old who don't get the shot, they're going to be just fine. As you know, they could go on early treatment if they come down with SARS-2. Hydroxychloroquine has been given for decades to pregnant and nursing women. So they're going to be completely fine if we go my way. If I'm right, though, and they go your way, where it's like equivocal, maybe you take it, it's your choice, we're going to have a catastrophe. So I would plead with you to take really what I'm saying very, you know, maybe modify your opinion a little bit because of that reason, that your path could lead to very bad outcomes if I'm right. Yeah, I, th I, th I think um, I, I, I'm an economist by training, and so I, t I tend to go to a cost-benefit analysis as opposed to sort of a worst-case scenario kind of, a, I think, precautionary principle kinds of, kinds of approaches. Um, I, I, th I think in this case, I mean, I don't actually don't, like the advice I tend to give pregnant women is probably don't take it unless you're really, really, really nervous about COVID. Um, I think that so so uh, I don't again I'm not sure we're we're completely disagreeing on this because I, I what you know the 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 uh, advice I give to pregnant women is I don't I don't think we've tested it well enough to, to be able to answer it well I mean so it's one of the things what do you do when you have an unknown unknown right how do you how do you decide that and you you ably express one point of view which is let's try to uh, uh, take the minimize the harm along this along, along the path as much as uh, uh, along the worst case of the path. Um, I can see an argument in the other direction for someone that's that's like very very nervous about COVID, and they can't live their life. I mean, I, I, I so I, I don't like to be dogmatic about these things. I just I think the right thing is tell people what the data say and let and let, and trust them to make. That's partly why I'm so so in favor of this of this idea that we shouldn't be forcing people to take the vaccine. I think that's that's the right humane thing to do when there's some uncertainty. We, we doctors don't actually we're not God, thank thank God, um, and we don't really know uh, you know sort of what's good for you about for everything. What we can tell you is here's what the data say, and if we're honest, here's what the data we don't know what the data say, um, and then talk with you about what you value maybe but you know maybe your priest would be better at that than me or a rabbi i mean i just i don't i just i mean at some level it's uh there are a limit to what we can do we live in a world filled with this kind of uncertainty and we make decisions all the time and we trust people to make their, their decisions based on what they value and how they they balance this risk for themselves uh i don't know i just i can't, I, I guess i'm not it's not built in me to be dogmatic about this um uh, so it just, uh, I, I mean, I hear you, Dr. Gould. I just, I, 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 I appreciate your passion around this, but I have to, uh, that, that's the philosophy I go by. I'm going to have to sort of go with it, go with it, even in this case. Hey, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Again, I respect both of you like crazy. And thanks for all you guys are doing. Uh, 
Dr. J, you've been incredible for the churches being able to reopen uh, throughout uh, the United States. The victories at the U.S. Supreme Court are, are a result, direct result of your work. Um, and Simone, Dr. Gold, you have been, I would say, you know, America's most censored doctor because you are willing to speak the truth and get out. And, and you've taken a big hit for the people of this country. Uh, you have. You've lost your job. Uh, you, you've, but, you know, God created an, an even greater purpose and uh, opportunity for you with America's Frontline Doctors. So thank you as well. Again, I respect you guys like crazy. Thanks for being with me today. God bless you. God bless you, Robert. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Dr. Simone. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye. Bye, Jay. Okay. Bye. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you guys later. Take care. I love Jay, by the way. He's an awesome human being. Bye. I do. I mean, I mean, I do. It's like, it's like a pleasure to be able to just disagree a little bit. I think, I think, I don't, I don't understand why that's such a hard thing for people. Like, you know, we can, I think we agree on most, most things. And and the fact that you have a different attitude than me, what's wrong with that? There's nothing. Exactly.